On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. In 1985, New Line Cinemas was coming off a major hit. The slasher horror film A Nightmare on Elm Street had grossed $57 million worldwide on a $1.1 million budget, and New Line knew it was such a hit, they had to have a sequel. The first film was written and directed by Wes Craven, but when it came time to write a script for a sequel, they instead asked David Chaskin, who worked in the New Line office, to write the script. Craven didn't approve of the script. His boogeyman haunted people's dreams, not their pool party and he dropped out four weeks before filming would start. In his place, new film director Jack Shoulder was hired, now in charge of a film with multiple special effects he had no experience with. Also, Robert England, who had played Freddy Krueger in the first movie, agents were now asking for a whole lot more money for their star. Luckily, Shoulder was wise enough to know that England really understood the character and had the company agreed to pay the price tag. Now they just needed to cast a lead, a vulnerable hero who would fight against the boogeyman. In contrast to the first script with final girl Nancy Thompson, the second script would have a final boy in character Jesse Walsh. Mark Patton, a new up-and-coming young actor, would be cast in the role. The film, titled A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, would go on to be another smash hit, taking in $30 million on a $3 million budget, securing the legacy of Freddy Krueger as one of the greatest horror movie characters ever created, and catapulting New Line as a successful film company, sometimes called The House That Freddy Built. Years later, though, a new generation of viewers would see the slasher film in a new light with homoerotic subtext. It would become a cult film for gay audiences and creating an even more unique legacy among the Elm Street movies with Mark Patton, Jack Shoulder, and David Chaskin all disagreeing on what exactly was intentional and what wasn't. Today, we will be discussing this and more as we take on 1985's Nightmare on Elm Street 2 Freddy's Revenge. Watch out for exploding birds and make sure the AC is on. This is the Grindhouse Girls podcast. Hello! Hey. I'm Katie. And I'm Brittany. Hi out there in TV land. Hello! What's up on Elm Street, y'all? Yeah. It's crack-a-lackin'. I'm in my 80s finest. Yes, I love it. Thank you. It's a... I will try to post a picture of it somewhere on our stories or something, but I bought this button-up like summery top like two years ago at a bargain hunt it's like a target brand and it's like it looks like all the shirts that mark Patton's character jesse wears like but it's got like little fruit it's got tropical fruit all over it and then since this is our pride month episode i wore my rainbow pride earrings because i'm an ally and you can't be an ally without rainbow earrings yeah <laughs> i'm just kidding rainbow. that is the bare minimum you can do is be an, as an ally but uh how are you brett i'm i'm okay keeping busy i i feel like not as busy as you though you've also been keeping very very busy and consistently busy yes. so <laughs> have you been holding so busy up? i'm good i'm good i've been busy um except over the weekend i was heading to run some auditions and this middle-aged man backed into my car in the Chick-fil-A oh. drive-thru. 
And instead of being like, oh, I'm so sorry, he never apologized and he forced me to call the cops, even though there was only a tiny scratch and I just went to exchange information. So I had to wait for like 40 minutes for this ordeal to be over. And the cop basically told him what I told him, which was, well, you can exchange information, but that's about it. Because apparently, I guess he thought I was going to steal his identity or something without the cops present. I don't know. He was like, I've been burned before. It's not, it's not a reflection on you. And then he decided to mansplain to me what insurance was and how it worked and I was like yeah I don't know if it's the sunglasses but I I have been on this planet for a few decades (laughs) I do understand oh my god but I'm fine no one was hurt like there's barely a scratch it was more of an inconvenience and then just rehearsal and editing and and I didn't get to watch a lot of movies this weekend but I did watch um in preparation for this film I watched Scream Queen My Nightmare (gasps) on Elm Street to prepare which is the documentary about this movie yay Yay! we both did research I kept wanting to watch the big Nightmare on Elm Street documentary and I thought it was still on Netflix and it was not on Netflix anymore when I checked oh never sleep again yeah where it is but um I have a confession I haven't watched all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Ah. I've seen the first one, and I think I've seen the Dream Warriors one, which is three or four. Yeah. I think it's four, Number three, right? I think Dream Warriors is three. Oh, Because okay. Nancy returns in Dream Warriors, I think. And I saw the one that they remade, not the newest new one, but the other new one where Nancy's like an adult. Oh, uh, I've a, seen a, that a one. Nightmare? Is that New Nightmare? I I saw it like in high school and I barely, I was just like, oh, it's a Freddy movie. And I've seen the first one. But like, I haven't seen all of them. So part of me was like, should I? That's why I kept putting it off. I was like, I don't know if I should watch a documentary on the whole series if I haven't watched all of them. So, but I did like, I did like Scream Queen. It was a really fun documentary. It reminded me a lot of the documentary, The Best Worst Movie, which is about Troll 2. And it follows the guy, the actor who played, it follows a lot of the actors. The guy that made the documentary actually was the little boy in the movie. And then the guy that played his dad is a dentist in Alabama. And he is so proud of that film, even though it's terrible. And it's interesting to watch his hubris take hold of him because he thinks it's a good movie. But then like, he shows it to his like local people like because he's going and traveling all these like people who love bad movies love Troll 2. But then he he shows it in Alabama to his like hometown. And none of them really understand why people like it. And it's like, it's like, but he's still he, he actually they're playing it in Birmingham this month and I want to go but I'll have rehearsal that night Aww. so I'm very I'm like I was like dang it I love being in a show but the one thing about being busy is like you're like oh like I can't just randomly do shit without making plans ahead of time but it's good it's good if you haven't seen Troll 2 watch it but I like watching people's reaction to movies years later and how it shaped like their childhood or their adulthood or made them more confident about their identity yeah. but that's really the only thing I watched other than the movie did you get to, other than, I know you didn't have much going on this weekend, but did you get to watch anything fun? Yeah, so I so I will say this weekend that we actually, uh, my husband and then his uh, stepdad and me, uh, we, we made shutters for the front of our house. And that was, Ooh. yeah, it sounds like it would be like, oh, you're making shutters. No, it was like a eight hour deal. And that garage felt... Did you have to make every individual little piece? So what it is, we bought, like, wood, like, treated wood. And then we had to cut it down to the size that our shutters are. And then we, once we cut it down, they took the smaller pieces. And they, and they glued and nail gunned them together. 
And then, um, no, yeah, and s- they made them from scratch. Can't you just buy new shutters you can't. and cut them down to size? You can't, but they're a lot more expensive when you buy them like that. So, true, uh, we probably made eight for like $250, which isn't cheap, but compared to buying eight, it would probably be like, mean, yeah. yeah, eight for probably like $800. So, exactly. I know I keep trying to find furniture for my living room. But, like, nothing fits, and it's all expensive. And I really want to make more furniture for my living room. But the last time I did that for my house, I had a lot of help. I'm like, I don't know if I can do it on my own. Like, I think I could, but I feel like it would be, it might be a hot mess. So, but I just can't find any furniture I want. Sometimes you just got to make it yourself. Yeah, and that's how how Taylor was, because he went with the shutters. But now the thing is, with me being the person, I worked in home decor for so many years. Now, granted, this is exterior, but I'm very much like what matches what matches so we haven't found right we haven't found the stain that i want to use so i still have to stain them and that's a very long process too that takes forever when we made when, when me and our friend peter made the uh furniture for my house thank you peter for helping me it's still in one piece by the way i haven't destroyed it the worst part was the staining it was the easiest part but it took forever like he came what i think it took us four days Because that was, like, right after New Year's, and I had, like, a four-day weekend. Oh, wow. And we spent every day – because you had to let all the layers dry. Yeah. So we would, like, paint a a couple layers, and then we would, like, have to let it dry, and then paint some more layers and have to let it dry. And it was cold, so it wasn't drying as fast as it would have if it was warm outside. And then, like, finally we got to put on the polyurethane. I think there's actually a quicker way to do it, but, like – we had already bought all the supplies, so we were like, we're just going to do it this way. Yeah. It was fine. We we just watched a bunch of movies in between that, so it was good. But, like, it was very much just where I was like, this takes fucking forever. Yeah. So I finished Euphoria, which, of course, I talked with Woo! you a little bit about. I really liked it, but now it's kind of like we have a little bit of a Euphoria hole in our lives because we were, like, binging it, and that was mine Taylor's new show. Yeah. And even though it was really melodramatic, we still liked it. It's fantastic. It's still really, really good. And Katie knows I love, I love Fezco, but Ethan is the real MVP at the end in that Because the I Need a Hero yes. sequence. Oh, I mean, yes. damn. Talk about homoerotic. Oh, I loved it. I, mean, I, was, I don't think I've had that good of a laugh in a long time though if i'm being honest it that's why i kept saying i was like get to the play get to the play the whole because it's not it's not that they're being homophobic or anything it's quite the opposite they're just nate if if it was any other person they were basically outing it wouldn't be that big of a deal but he is such a fucking cunt to everybody and he's done so many shitty things that it's funny. And you can understand where Lexi's coming from because he, he's turned her sister into, like, a cold bitch. Yeah. And, like, not herself at this point And ruined, like, their whole friend dynamic of their friend group. So, like, if it was anyone else, it wouldn't be funny. But because it's Nate, it's hilarious. Me and Taylor were joking, though, because obviously, being you have a theater background and even taylor was in theater in high school and we're just like oh my god these sets are like million dollar sets they're using i know but i did when i saw the actress playing cassie come out on that horse i did i screamed (laughs) i screamed that's the best part i was like no i was like what how does she remember that i was like i guess because it was a big deal but no (laughs) And then the girl trying to be all like, um, 
all method yeah. when she's like asking like Maddie like what are you feeling Cassie and Maddie I'm like girl shut the fuck up and then Maddie just going on stage oh yeah she takes and off she, her earrings and she takes she off takes her off her earrings and somebody and her friend has the shoe and I was just like oh fuck yeah. and then they go down the hallway and you just see her throw Cassie into the wall and you're like oh fuck yeah it is and it is great television and it's it's really Another good one of my favorite things in the episode is that they keep cutting to, like, Rue and uh, Jules' reactions, yes. which is, like, whoever's watching at home's reactions at yeah. the same time. So I think that's what makes that whole episode so great is that you feel like you're in that high school. And, like, can you imagine if somebody took your high school's bully yeah. and put all of their insecurities on stage, how the school would react? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the, you know what I miss, though? One, Cassie has made a series of bad decisions. I still want her to have a redemption arc, but I think she's, she's the Jamie Lannister of this series. Like, she's made a bunch of mistakes, but it's also, like, she has daddy issues. She has a lot of stuff. Her life is is really hard, and I don't really blame her for making terrible decisions as a high schooler. Hopefully she will grow and change and learn from this. However, I'm mad that her original boyfriend, and I'm blanking on his name, uh, is McKay? in. McKay! I really liked him a lot, and I loved her plot in season one, and I really liked McKay, and I was really hoping that, because he kind of just disappears at the beginning of season mm-hmm. two. Like, they're not like, completely together but like he's still around and then he just kind of disappears i kind of wish that he would maybe he'll come back season three because i liked that actor and i liked their chemistry together but cassie's still my favorite but i don't like her decisions in season two yeah. but i don't know i love rue though yeah. i mean you can still watch the like the little episode the specials in between season one and two those are still worth watching. I think even if you've seen season two. Yeah. How did you feel about the guitar? You're part? right. I think that I didn't hate it, but it went on a little too long. <laughs> too like, long. There was it like was there was like three times I thought it was the end of the song, and then it kept going. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I was like, oh wait, it's still going. Okay, he has a lovely voice. Like lovely, he lovely does. voice. But it's and it, the song is fine. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. I was just like, this is this is weird. Yeah. We could have had a whole other scene with Cat. To make up for her kind of disappearing halfway through the season. Yeah. You know, for, you know, to make up for that. I, Just sing a verse and a kind of I chorus. do gotta That's admit, even though Kat didn't have as much screen time, her uh, her going after Maddie and going, Maddie, stop! Multiple times this season was iconic. Because we've all yeah. been, I don't know, I maybe it's because I'm the passive one in my friend group, but I there have been times I've been trailing behind girls going, stop! Like, so, like, I Oh no. I can't. Oh no. I can't completely. Well, I guess we should we should get introing the movie because we've been talking for longer than usual, but that's okay. Yeah. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. So this this week so we didn't want to like you know, we wanted to do something a little pride themed, but also a little summer themed. And it was my week, and I was like, you know what? I always hear people talk about Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, and all the. But I hadn't like sat down and watched the whole thing. I'd watched like bits and pieces of it, and everyone just kind of like honestly over exaggerates all of the stuff, all the homoerotic stuff in there. So I was curious. I was like, what is the meat of the movie? And also, like, I knew there was a lot of background for it. So. This movie has a pool party in it. It's got some, I would call it queer coded. Yeah. It's okay. It's it's definitely queer, but I wouldn't call it. That's, there's an argument. Yeah. And that's what the interesting bit about this is because 
So Mark Patton, who plays the lead character, if you watch the documentary Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, it follows how he kind of like dropped out of the acting world after this movie was released because, so the 80s, Robert England does a really good job of explaining like how Hollywood changed its mind um, from the 70s to the 80s because he was like in the 70s, like, people were coming out of the closet, everyone was, like, getting along really well, and, like, it was, like, this really nice, like, like, harmonious opening up of the world. Like, nobody, like, people were not being as homophobic, and people were, like, going to clubs, and, you know, the Andy Warhol, you know, clubbing scene, and he, I think someone was like, everyone was bisexual, nobody fucking cared. But then AIDS came about, and everyone called it, you know, and this is, this is from the newspapers, like, quote-unquote, gay cancer. And so people were terrified of catching AIDS. And instead of, like, you know, if you think about how terrified people were at the beginning of COVID mm-hmm. and how, like, we were all staying in our house and masking up and wearing five masks and gloves and, you know, yeah. everything. Like, people were terrified. But it went on for longer. But unfortunately, it went very homophobic. So a lot of actors in Hollywood went back into the closet. And so Mark Patton was one of those actors who was very young. And he had been in a movie with Cher called Come On Back to the Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean. Which I feel like my parents have seen that movie because they have, I've definitely heard that title before. So I feel like they've mentioned that. I need to actually watch that movie now. But he had been in that movie and this was like his big break. And he got cast in it and there was a lot of subtext that writer David Chaskin had put in as like, because he thought, well, what's scarier than AIDS? And, like, I bet a lot of people who are, like, realizing that they're gay, it's like they're fighting the urge because they're afraid of what society will think. So that's terrifying. And that's another layer. But he didn't come out and say that that was what it was. He denied it for, like, decades. And when the movie came out and everyone was like, oh, it's the, you know, the queer nightmare on Elm Street. It's the gay one is what this, I'm sorry, I'm paraphrasing. But, like, I've heard a lot of people like, oh, it's the gay nightmare on Elm Street and I'm like okay he denied that it was purposeful and he blamed it basically on Mark Patton's performance which apparently his agent said you can't play straight I don't I honestly if I didn't know he was gay before I watched the movie I don't think he didn't play straight well I don't think it was a bad job of playing straight I mean, there's definitely, it's the script. I'm saying, like, how can you, like, have him have a scene where Freddy Krueger is, like, caressing his face and saying, you've got the body, I've got the brains, all, like, sensually. And then also you have him, like, break into his friend's room where he's asleep and they're both shirtless. Like, I'm like, how how did you think people were going to take it? But, like, my thing is, because I never said it in the documentary, I'm like, yes, there's some there's some very interesting things, and I know we'll get to them as we go for the plot yes. of the movie, but I'm like, how, if they were worried about him playing straight, his agents had to read the script, and surely they caught yes. him. This is, that's the one thing I mean, that I don't get. Like, who let Mark sign on to this if that was a concern of Right. Theirs? And nobody, like, told, and he, he pointed that out to when he, in the documentary, when he kind of confronts David and tells him, like, listen, you backed, you backed up and you rescinded what your intention was and you, like, basically it went all on me and everyone blamed me for it being so, you know, gay because they said it was my performance. Because, like, they have him scream, like, very high pitched. And I mean, it's like, I don't understand how you can take it any other way yeah. and how anyone on his team 
could have read that and been like, yeah, this is fine. Like, I mean, I mean, I loved, I honestly really enjoyed this movie. Like, I thought it was really fun. It was very 80s. It was very camp. I really liked it. Although I'm not sure what they mean by the ending. The ending kind of is a little problematic. And we'll go into that. I think it was. Not really sure what their meaning is. I think by the end of, and since you were bringing up the inner, in half of Scream Queen, the thing that kind of like broke my heart is that even if David was truly sorry for the pain that he caused Mark, he, he still said in the end, he was like, you know, before they kind of had that resolution together, he's like, you know, I didn't write that Jesse screams like a girl. And he said that twice. I know. And I, thought, I, was like, I was like, that's a little offensive. Like, if you're really trying to apologize, people can grow and change. Like, you know, yeah. I, I I, mean, to lie about things, it, it, to me, it makes it worse. So yeah. when we were teenagers, the F word was just a, a common insult you would call your friends. Or at least I, I oh. was around brothers who did that. I wasn't. No one ever used yeah. the F slur around me, yeah. but people use the R word yeah. around me a lot. And I have have family members who have uh who are mentally yeah. handicapped and so like for me like i did not like using that word yeah. but like nobody it was very common um and it did, wasn't really that people the r word it's hard because like it does mean slow so it, if you use it in a certain context it's perfectly accurate but the way people use it is very insulting the f slur people did use it a they lot. did and it was common i mean and they even bring this up in scream queen it was common for people to say mm-hmm. in the movies as insults and that's it's yep. it's an ugly part of history but it was a part of history that was very common yeah. even 12 14 years ago so i yeah my thing is it's like i wouldn't fault david for for doing these things it's just that he doesn't want to fess up that he did yeah he doesn't want to take responsibility for it which is he does kind of at the end of the documentary he's like i'm really sorry if that pushed you but basically mark's agents told him well you can't play straight so you are gonna have to settle for being a character actor which sucks and i mean like the thing is like had this happened nowadays it wouldn't even be a thing yeah Anyways, um, but it is interesting. I, it kind of makes me sad because I really liked his performance a lot. And it makes me sad that he stepped away from performing because he does seem to enjoy it. And he has embraced this movie. And because it, it did kind of become a, a gay cult icon, especially for a lot of gay men who saw themselves in Mark and in Jesse. And, like, I really, I, I find it very fun but I also feel like, and we'll get to the ending, I feel like the ending, if you're trying to be pro, like, coming out of the closet with this movie, the ending doesn't really support that, which bothers me a little bit. But if if David Chaskin really wasn't thinking it through and was just like, and I'll just put some homoerotic subtext in it, just a little bit though, and he didn't, fo- I feel like he started doing it and then he didn't follow through or something. Like, because, like, the ending doesn't really match up with the rest of it. Like, the final two people should not be the two people they end up with. <laughs> if that's what they're saying. As a, you know, but we'll, we'll, when we get into spoilers, we'll explain it more. But getting into the creative team, I guess, a little bit. So we've got David Chaskin, who wrote it. Um, Wes Craven also, like, the characters are all based on Wes Craven's original characters. We all know Wes Craven. So on I'm... IMBD, I thought it was interesting because it, it gives a 2000 movie called Love Hurts on his okay. IMBD, but there's nothing there. Like, when you click on it, there's nothing about the movie. Okay, maybe that's why I didn't write anything down. <laughs> but he also wrote I, Madame, and The Curse. 
And he was in the shorts to live Tight. and dine in L.A., bygone behemoth, and still cut oats. So he, he wrote a couple of screenplays, but it seems like the last 10, 15 years he's been an actor in short films. Oh, yeah. Um, and Wes Craven, we know Wes Craven, Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream. The um, People Under the Stairs. People Under the Stairs. I have that movie. Yeah. It's, we will do it eventually. It is, I'm trying to figure out where that movie falls it's so camp um but there's two actors from twin peaks in it too and wait is it just is jesse smollett the kid it's a white it's a white girl in a in a not jesse not jesse the oh her brother her brother maybe no jesse no journeys journeys you thinking of but jesse's the one that got arrested and is going to jail oh no i'm wrong okay good yeah I feel like this kid was also in the Mighty Ducks, though. It's Brandon Adams, but I feel like he was all... Maybe he just looked like how Jesse looked as a child. Yeah. Or he was also in the Mighty Ducks or something. Uh, maybe. And then also the original He'll Have Eyes, too. Um, This movie was also directed by Jack Shoulder, without a U, who d- hasn't done a lot of, like, big movies, but he's done a lot of, like, horror films, including Alone in the Dark, which is also a video game. And there's a movie version of a video game. It's a different Alone in the Dark, but... I was like, oh, he did the video game? I thought that was that Uwe, I thought it was Uwe Bowles who did it. Mm. And so there are two different ones. Alone in the Dark was earlier. The Hidden and Arachnid. Arachnid's his favorite movie he said that he's ever done too, which I think is interesting because it's a Spanish horror film. I did think it was cool that the music is by Christopher Young. I really like the music in this movie, by the way. It actually is genuinely creepy. Um, but he also did the music for The Grudge, Sinister, The Empty Man that we already did on the podcast, Spider-Man 3, Speederman 3, and Drag Me to Hell. Nice. So I was like, he is like, and he's still, like, he currently works. And I thought it was interesting because, okay, so a lot of people, like, turned down working on this movie because they didn't like the script. And the original production designer was Greg Finesca, and he worked on House 1985, which is not to be confused with House... 1976 77 Mm -hmm. but he also worked on honey i shrunk the kids gladiator and both the wayne's world movies but he left because he thought production was too hurried because basically a new i mean a nightmare on elm street was released in 1984 and this was like right after like they were like let's capitalize literally within a year of each other is how close these movies were put out so he was like which is funny because in the script they're like oh five years later and you're like no yeah it hasn't been that long but a woman named maggie martin took over the art direction for him and she's actually done art direction for the 2013 old boy which it did look pretty but it's just not good the town which i haven't seen but i've heard okay things about and girl interrupted but also one of my favorite comedies of all times which is the sweetest thing yeah yeah but yeah, there was actually a different script, too. Did you read about this? Did, no, I didn't know there was a different script. Uh-uh. So originally, the script was from Leslie Bohem, who eventually wrote the script for the next movie, The Dream Child, which is A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, was that Jesse would move into Nancy's house with his pregnant mother and stepfather, and in this version, Freddie was going to try to possess the the fetus. Yeah. But then one of the executives there was pregnant at the time, and they all felt very uncomfortable about it, which is why they went with David Chaskin's script. I think that's actually the plot, like a loose plot of like the fourth or fifth movie. Well, they said that she went on to write it for the third one. Oh, 
or maybe the four because Dream Dream Child is one of them. There's Dream Warriors and Dream Child, right? So yeah, yeah I think Dream Child is fourth or fifth. I could be wrong, but that feels right because I think I think the baby is one of the lead the lead girl in Dream Warriors. Might be five because Force is the Dream Master, yeah. but definitely on Wikipedia it said three. The Dream Child. Yeah. It was either IMDb or Wikipedia gave me that one. Oh no, it's five. Five is Dream Child. Why did they tell me it was three? Anyways, it was the Dream Child yes. one. Sorry. So let me. So yeah. So they ended up using it for the fifth movie, and it's also Robert England's least favorite movie in the franchise. But that might be because they cut his part down to thirteen yes. minutes because they hired a stunt man to take his place, and then like we said in the intro, then they're like, oh shit, Robert England really makes this part. So I guess we gotta have him. Also, fun fact: Brad Pitt, John Stamos, Michael J. Fox, and Christian Slater were all considered for the role of Jesse. Yeah, and but at the same time, Mark was their very first choice. I think Michael J. Fox is the only one that might have edged him out, but he was too busy doing the Back to the Future movies. And it's interesting because, you know, Robert England and Robert Rustler, who plays Grady, all got the homoerotic subtext. And England was like, oh, it's like Beauty and the Beast because Freddy's so ugly and Mark's so pretty. Yeah. And I was like, okay. But then uh, the director was like, I had no idea. Yeah, I was reading that. I was like, well. I was reading that same interview. He said, uh, for the record, no one at New Line even considered the gay element. And he's like, you know, I was, you know, me and Mark were not close. And I had no idea when we were filming this movie that he was even closeted. So he has gone on multiple times to say that in interviews. Which at least he's like, I'm sorry that. I didn't realize it. But as a director, I feel like you should have gotten to know your cast Well, better. also, I will say the one thing in Jack's defense is that he does seem consistent in the interviews he gives versus David, I think, yes. slightly changes. Ooh. Like David changes his mind every other yeah. interview. And that's what I think upset Mark so much. was like He's like, if you would have just like been consistent, you know, it would have been one thing. But yeah, so it's, it's interesting because like... If you watch the movie, to me, it's very clear that there's a homoerotic subtext. It's kind of like watching The Lighthouse, but like Robert England, not Robert England, Robert Eggers follows through with the homoerotic subtext. Like, he doesn't deny it at Yeah, all. absolutely. Okay, but I guess we're going to get into this, the synopsis and the spoilers, guys, because we, we got to... We gotta get moving on. Unless there's anything I missed before we go into more. No, of the I think I think with the you cover a lot now. I I know you're probably about to say it, but I don't think we said it yet that this is streaming on HBO Max, and I'm pretty sure all it the is. movies, the whole franchise, is on HBO Max, right? There's also some on I think Netflix as okay. well. So I don't think all of them are on Netflix, but a lot of them are on Netflix too. It seems like they routinely are streaming somewhere. Yeah. But yes, HBO Max has a lot of them. And Shudder has Scream Queen on it. Okay, so the synopsis, before we get into spoilers, is teenager Jesse moves into the Thompsons' home on Elm Street, only to be plagued by dreams of Freddy Krueger, made worse by his burgeoning teenage urges. Da-da-da. Yeah. Da-da. That's the movie. Honestly, if you like the Freddy Krueger movies and you like 80s slashers in general, you'll probably like this. It's it's definitely more camp than the first one, but there are some genuine moments of like terror and stuff and like creepiness. So definitely spooky. So let's get into the plot, shall we? Okay, so we we have a, you know, typical slasher opening sequence where we've got a school bus with all the various teens being dropped off and one teen 
looks especially emo, and that is Jesse. I don't know, he doesn't look like this the rest of the movie, but he's got, like, dark circles under his eyes. He's got, like, his hair looks darker. I he think... He looks like... Uh, he looks like Johnny Depp I think it's in very Edward interesting that in Jesse's Nightmare, off the bat, like, he is unkempt. So, obviously, that's, mm-hmm. like, something that's terrifying to him for him not to look put together. And then the other thing yeah. is that there's people making fun of him, pointing laughing at him, and specifically women. Yes. There are these two girls, and they are, like, giggling at him, and they're the only two other people on the bus. He tries to open the window. It doesn't open. And the bus driver turns into Freddy Krueger! Robert England, who is the one and only Freddy Krueger. So other than the failed 2010 remake where Jackie Early Haley played Freddy, Robert England has played Freddy. He's also a good actor. Yeah. Oh, Jack. So the thing is about the remake, it's actually, to me, the very middle of the road remake because Jackie Early Haley is really good. It's just the script isn't that great. But yeah, so he's played Freddy in every other movie from the original 1984 to 2003's Freddy vs. Jason. So that's eight films. Um, He's a classically trained actor and mm-hmm. did begin his career as a stage actor before doing film. And now he's a horror icon. He was in Wishmaster, Urban Legends, Idle Hands, 2001's Maniacs, Hatchet, and another Grindhouse movie, Behind the Mask, The Rise yes. of Leslie Vernon. And he's going to be in Stranger Things Season 4. Nice. I he has a character name I can't remember what it is but I was like he looked like he was in several episodes so I don't know if he's the new big bad or if he's just another character um, but I was like oh exciting because I love Robert England he is he's great a, he's a class act also fun fact in the beginning in the movie when we see the bus driver mm-hmm. before he turns into Freddy it's Robert England so it's actually just without Freddy makeup yeah which is the first time he did that but he does that a few times I think throughout the series yeah it's been so long since I've seen the majority of the films. I can't remember. I remember the deaths in a few of them, but... The fact that IMDb said this is the first time, I was like, I feel like it probably is a recurrence. Yeah. Or they just have him, like, randomly in the movie. So so we've got poor Jesse and these two girls um, screaming as he's about to kill them. He drives them into, through the desert to hell, I guess. I don't know. All the earth falls in around them and they're like on this little precipice. And then he slashes and it cuts to Jesse, who's played by Mark Patton, who we've talked about a little, obviously. Mm-hmm. But he uh, originated the role of Joe Qualley in the 1976 play and later the 1982 film Come Back to the Five and Dying Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean, which is what Katie was talking about. With Cher. Yeah, with Cher. So, which is very impressive. He was also an Anna to the Infinite Power, Family Possessions, which was his return to acting, Amityville, Evil Never Dies, and of course the documentary films Never Sleep Again, The Elm Street Legacy, and Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. he's a, And he's a painter, too. In the in the documentary, he's like, this is my house, and these are the, my paintings. And I'm like, he draws himself as a deer. Yeah, it's really cool. Like, that's a reoccurring yeah. thing for him. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Jesse's waking up screaming in his new suburban home on Elm Street. Yeah, yeah, And his family is, like, used to him screaming. Like, they're making breakfast. His parents, who are actually... Played by some pretty hard hitters. Yeah. So, uh, Mom is played by Kim Myers. So, she's Lisa. Oh, no. Oh, sorry. Hope Lange. Oh, sorry. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I was looking at the wrong person. Oh, I, that's Lisa. Yeah, yeah, that's Lisa. I'm sorry. So, yeah. Hope Lange has Cheryl Wash, who was Selena Cross and Peyton Place, which I've never seen, but I've heard about. And the Ghost and Mrs. Muir and Blue my Velvet. My mom loves that series. Yeah, she's yeah. she's she's Kyle McLaughlin's mom in Blue Velvet. Yeah. So, she's, she's a mom. She plays mom. Yeah. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> and she was 
like she was like a classic sixties actress too, like absolutely freaking gorgeous. Yeah, which is probably why David Lynch cast her honestly because he is a thing for like fifties sixties like aesthetic. That's like his vibe. Yeah, that makes sense. That's when sense. he was a kid. That makes a lot of sense. Tell me if I'm pronouncing this name right, because I've never seen this name. Clue? Clue? C-L-U? Gulager? I would say Clue Gulager. Gulager? Gulager? Oh, no. Who plays Kim Walsh, so obviously Jesse's dad. He starred... It's, this is really, really cute, actually. So his son is the director of Piranha Double D and the Feast movies. <laughs> so he's in his he's in his exactly child's movies, and he's in his 80s. So Aww. he's still... Up like up until like a decade. And he was ago. he was in that documentary. He showed up at the convention and he was like, Hey, how you doing, bud? Yeah. I was like, Oh, that's adorable. It is really cute. And he was actually a actor in the sixties, so he played Billy the Kid in seventy five episodes of the Tall Man TV series, mm-hmm. um, in the Virginian. But he also was in Return to Living Dead, the twenty fifteen independent film tangerine which was shot on iphone if i'm not mistaken and oh that's on our list that is, is one list? i okay. i've started watching it a couple times but like i always get interrupted yeah so but i've heard it's really good i heard things about it too which makes it interesting and he also had a bit part in once upon a time in hollywood yeah and he was in the last picture show which is a very famous movie is that the one that i feel like that's the one that cloris leachman won her academy award for oh i think it was the last picture show i could be wrong um, and then he's, so he's got his parents and his little sister, Angie. Um, did you write her down? Yeah, so this is funny. Christine Clark is Angie Walsh. So I don't really watch soap operas. My mom and grandma did when I was a kid, so I actually know mm-hmm. a lot about soap operas. But, um, so she was Carrie Brady on 1,643 <gasps> episodes of Days of Our Lives. And so she was on Jeez. Days of Our Lives from 1986 to 2019. That's incredible. I think she's still on, like, General Hospital. Is General Hospital still on? I can't remember. I, can't, I don't remember. I can't remember. Um, but she was also in the film Children of the Corn 2, The Final Sacrifice. Yeah. So she was in another Ooh. horse sequel. So Which wasn't there a third one, so it wasn't The Final Sacrifice? Yep. I think there was, like, four or five Children of the Corn movies, so. My goodness. So, anyways, Angie is like, why can't Jesse wake up like everybody else? Which already is, like, subtext of, like, oh, why isn't he just like everyone else? I was like, oh, my God. How did they not know? This guy knew. This makes me mad that he was denying it. Anyways, Mark, we stand you. It's fine. Um, anyways, so Jesse complains that he hasn't been sleeping well because his bedroom is so hot. And then his sister takes out some vaguely racist, yes. um, Fu Manchu fingers yes. from the cereal box, which I'm guessing is a joke. I hope, did they really give those out? Please, if you know, please comment or, like, email us because I was like, oh, that's awkward. Um, but, because it's got, she's got fingers, like, it scares Jesse. Because he's reminded of Freddy in his dream. And so then we have a ding-dong at the door, and it's Lisa. Yeah, Lisa. And so this is so funny. So we have Kim Myers as Lisa Weber, and she was partially cast because she looked like a young Meryl Streep, which is what I said when I watched the movie. I was like, she looks like Meryl Streep. She looks like Mamie and, um... She looks like Meryl Streep's daughter. Yeah. So I'm like... Mamie Gummer. That's her name. That's so funny. Uh, she also... She's on Mr. Robot. She's fucking amazing. Uh, but she was on... Uh, or in Hellraiser Bloodline, which is the fourth Hellraiser movie. Uh, in the Mood, Illegally Yours, Letters from a Killer. And she had guest appearances on TV shows such as L.A. Law, Key West, Walker, Texas Ranger, and Seinfeld. So yeah, she's doing her thing. 
pretty cool. Um, so she she's she comes to get a ride to school with Jesse and his dinosaur of a car, and he doesn't even have like a ignition. He hot wires it every day. Um, but anyway, so he's playing, and they get to school. He's playing softball, and Lisa and her friends are watching, and they're asking her if she's getting any because you know it's high school. That's what you ask, and she's like, "Oh, he's just my ride to school." And then Jesse takes a ball straight to the face and then gets pants, which starts a fight with Ron Grady. Yes, who is... We just call Grady. Yeah, and he's played by Robert Russler, which, fun fact, Robert Downey Jr. actually accompanied Robert to this audition. Uh, Robert was in Weird Science, the Outsiders TV series, Antiville, and New Generation, Babylon 5, and guest parts in TV series such as Cold Case, NCIS, 24, and Bones. And I actually really like him. I think he's a very great comedic actor from his appearance in this movie. Yeah, and he's also um, in that Jacob's Wife movie with Barbara Crampton, Ah. which I have yet to actually sit down and watch, but I think it's finally streaming on Shudder, so. Nice. Soon, soon. Um, so they have to do, like, it's basically, like, plank, but, like, basically holds a sit-up because Grady comments, because because they got no fight. And Grady comments that their gym teacher, Coach Schneider, gets, and this is direct quote, gets his rocks off by picking on pretty boys that he likes to go to the, please forgive me, because this is exactly what they say. Well, I'll just say S&M joints, but he implies that their, their coach is secretly gay. Or maybe not secretly, just not out to his class, I guess. Which, I mean, why would you come out to your class if, like, unless you're, like, married. I mean, you know. Yeah. Like, I was like, why Why should he tell you if he goes to an S&M bar at night? It's his business. Like, he doesn't have to share that part of his life with you if he does not want to. If he does, who, who the fuck cares? Anyways, um, but he is played by... Uh, Marshall Bell, who was Mr. Lachance, our Gordy's dad in Stand By Me. I love Stand By Me. And speaking of Euphoria, yeah. so does Fesco. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he was also in Twins, Total Recall, Starship Troopers, uh, Dick Tracy, The Vagrant, and Capote. I also thought mm-hmm. it was a fun fact. He is married to Melina Canariro, our... Hanna Nero, a four-time Oscar-winning costume designer. So, oh my god, yeah, that's cool. Is it amazing? Like four times, four times. That, that must be boring now. Yes, she won. Oh my gosh, she not showing up. So she won for Barry Lyndon, Chariots of Fire, oh, okay, Mary Antoinette, and lately the Grand Budapest Hotel, which is one of my favorite Anderson movies. Ooh, Marie Antoinette had some fancy ass costumes. Mm-hmm. That was a lot. I bet you had to hand sew a lot of that stuff crazy um so anyways so there so again more subtext if we're calling it subtext i think it's pretty obvious but supposedly subtext um and then he asks okay so he asks jesse if he's sleeping with lisa which i get the vibe that there's more to grady and jesse's friendship than meets the eye so for me reading into it because i knew the subtext i was like oh so is he just trying to like see if like if he's down down like you know because how do you like ask somebody that in the 80s I, I don't know tell me if you were alive in the 80s and a teenager like did how it must be hard like to not be able to also teenagers don't come out and ask things anyways teenagers are weird you know they're like oh you you like uh hanging out and what you doing uh, like just ask somebody out come on anyways 
Then, as they change in the locker room, a boom chicka bow wow, Grady tells Jesse that his house belonged to Nancy from the first film and says that she lost her mind and her mom killed herself in their living room. Which I don't remember her killing herself, but I think that was, I think that was implied. So, um, the first movie ends with Freddie reaches through the front door window yeah. and drags her. So I think yeah. maybe they, it was like, they found her dead and thought that it was a suicide. When it but wasn't. then I thought that was a dream because Nancy was in the car with her dead friends. Yeah. Uh, that's where it doesn't really ever say for sure what happened. Yeah. Um. But anyways, so, of course, Jesse's having nightmares. And he dreams that Freddy is stoking a furnace fire in the basement. And when he goes to investigate, Freddy threatens Jesse, but tells him in a very sensual manner... That he needs him and that they have special work to do. You've got the body. I've got the brain. And then he rips his skull open and shows him his brain. Actually, honestly, the music in this part and in the very beginning were, was thoroughly creepy. Yeah. I gotta say, the when he rips his brain open, like, I was like, ooh, that is, ugh. Like, it did creep me out a little bit. And like you kind of said earlier, Robert saw this scene that Freddy was playing with Jesse's beauty. And there, and in the documentary, it mentions that he wanted to see if he could put one of the knives in Mark's mouth. And yeah. Mark's makeup person pulled him aside and was like, <laughs> no, no, do not. It's look like you're blowing him. I was like, well, it's just a finger. Yeah, but, but still, it's kind of like very sexual. And it did, it's already yeah. like alluded to, like there's like, he's caressing him. So yeah, that would have probably gone too well, far. Well, but Freddie was always like that, like like the phone with the tongue because he's a child molester. Yeah, okay, so what's interesting, he was written as a child molester, but they specifically wrote that out of the first film and made him a child murderer because there was actually real, this, I guess, scandal that was going on in California in the 80s, and they're like, oh shit, we don't need to allude to that, so they made him just a but child murderer. But I mean, murderer. like, it was pretty obvious because he, like, and then, like, Nancy's in the bath and his glove comes between her legs. Yeah, that's that's very, very sexual. Yeah, it's, it's meant, very sexual. It's meant to be overtly sexual, that's for sure, because the idea is, like, preying on teenage hormones yeah. and sexuality. And as, a, and as a true pedophile, you know no gender. You go after everybody because it's a power thing. It's not a sexuality thing. Yeah. That was one of the big things in the remake was that they actually did make freddy a, ch- a a pedophile in the remake film and some people were like they liked it and some people were like no so i just always thought he was because yeah. it was so implied and everybody knew yeah you know that i just assumed i was like i thought they weren't coming out and saying it because they were trying to you know allude to it i thought he was too and that's actually what made me do the research and this was like before we ever picked this as an episode i did the research and read all that where it was like yeah in the script it was and then when we actually did the movie we had to nix that completely and just say he was a child murderer but if it was in the script yeah that means it really was yeah implied, implied. it's that that is subtext you guys that's what subtext is yeah that you're playing it like that but you don't come out and say it yeah it's not like this movie where it's very obvious but yet, we're not supposed to be... It's not subtext. It's obvious. Or it may have been the original story. I'm not going to go like on a tangent. It may have been the original story. Now you got me very... I'm like, I have to read the script now. So, homework for yeah. me. So, yeah. Yeah. So, then Jesse falls asleep in class the next day. And they put the class bow on his shoulder, which was kind of funny. Yep. And then the teacher gets so mad about it, he's, like, offended. Yeah. I was like, he didn't put it on his shoulder himself. And then Lisa's taking a swim in her pool. This is... This pool will come up later, only to be interrupted by a call from Jesse. 
And then Jesse, okay, this was confusing because, like, she gets a call from Jesse. And then Jesse tries to leave, but his dad is like, you haven't um, finished unpacking your bedroom. I need you to unpack that bedroom, son. And so he goes upstairs, but then Lisa shows up anyways. But not before. We have a glorious dance interlude, which this is the thing where, like, apparently he was supposed to do, like, something else. And it wasn't working. And so Mark was like, hey, I guess I can dance. So he does this silly dance where he puts on two different kinds of sunglasses. And he's just tossing all of his shit in drawers so he can leave. And he starts bumping the dresser with his butt. And then he has one of those, like, Pop Goes the Weasels wooden toys, like, ball and cup things that pop. And he puts it, like, it's an implied erection joke. Yeah. Or I guess it's an ejaculation joke, because it pops. So it's an implied ejaculation joke. And, like, his mom opens the door with Lisa standing there. He's like, oh, hey. It's funny. It's cute. But then that was another thing people were like, oh, that's so gay. I was like, is it? I think it's just a kid being weird. Like. We all dance weird. It was funny. I liked the ejaculation joke. It was funny. Yeah. Um, But Lisa's like, hey, I'll help you unpack your room, which is what a good friend does. Yeah. And then, but they find Nancy's diary. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's like, but Nancy was never writing in a diary in the first movie. So, okay. Nope. Yeah. Well, that we saw. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of kids keep diaries, so it is kind of silly. What's more silly to me is that this is supposedly five years later. Mm Mm-hmm. But well, also it was, it was like released the next year. It's like a suicide in the house and everything. Yet a diary, which would be like evidence, was somehow left behind. Hmm. Hmm. Don't know. Yeah, little weird. Well, I mean, it was in her bedroom, and they said their mom killed herself in the living room. Yeah, but everything else in the house was cleaned up before they. I know that's a very nitpicky thing, but yeah. But you know what? When I moved into my house, I went up to my attic, and there's literally a family picture in the attic. That's creepy. And I was like, uh... There's like, there were a few pieces of art that were in the attic. I was like, I guess they didn't want these. One of them I liked, and the other one I was like, that's someone's picture. That's staying in the attic. Yeah. So, I can see it happening. But anyways, they start reading it, and they're talking about Nancy spying on Glenn, which if you've seen the first movie, is a very young, hot Johnny Depp. And thinking that the next, which they were dating, but she was like, sometimes I just want his hot body or something. I don't remember what it said, but something like really weird like that. And then they think the next passage is about Glenn. So he starts reading it. And this is very like, it seems like he comes to me at night, slashing through my bed sheets. And it's like, oh shit. No, she's talking about Freddy Krueger. And then she's like, no, he's killing us. And then it's like, oh, is it Tina? Yeah, Tina. Tina's dead. Tina's dead, and they're like, oh, shit. She thought this was real. And then Jesse has another nightmare, that everything is melting in his room, which looked really cool. Yeah. And then he goes downstairs and finds Freddy in the boiler room, and then he finds the glove, and Freddy tells him to try it on and kill for him. And Jesse wakes up in the basement with the glove. Yeah. Which, you know, does follow the dream logic of Freddy Krueger. And then he tells Lisa the next day, and he's like, I don't know if... He thinks he's sleepwalking. Yeah. Lisa's like, I don't know, maybe you're having a premonition. And then she asks about the diary, and then her friend Carrie comes up and asks about her pool party. Yes. And Sydney Wash plays Carrie Hellman, so she was in the TV series Superman, and also series regular on the sitcom Daddy Dearest, and had recurring roles on Melrose Place and The Young and the Restless. And she was in Point Break... And several episodes of Beyond Belief, 
fact or fiction, Lisa also kisses Jesse goodbye on his cheek, oh. which is, you know, boss bitch move. Um, and they're talking about her pool party that she's going to have later. Then we go back to Grady and Jesse. Um, you know, their relationship is moving forward as well. And they're complaining about Coach Schneider again. And they're literally being like, he's got a stick up his ass when he walks in. And they're once again forced to do a plank uh, standing push-ups. It's kind of hilarious. It's like a running gag. And then back at Jesse's house, everyone's feeling the heat. And Jesse's dad checks the thermostat. He's like, it's 97 degrees in here. Because he's been like, oh, you guys are too sensitive. And then the parakeets start to rumble under their blankets. <laughs> Do you want to tell this part? Oh, well, I, I, I was very dramatic. I'm like, the birds become deadly! Exclamation point. So they do. The one little bird is killed is really sad, but the other one like starts flying and just like lands and scratches dad on the cheek. And so I feel yeah. I feel bad because he literally was actually scarred by this prop parakeet, which is like really messed oh, up. Oh no, I didn't read that part. Yeah. Jeez. So like he was scarred on the face by this prop parakeet. But yeah, it like the parakeet tries to attack everybody, they get a broom, they try to hit it, and then it just spontaneously combusts like out of nowhere. <laughs> like it's like, oh okay. Like I was there and then it exploded and I was like, that Okay, no. It should not have exploded. I will say that means they start thinking maybe there's a gas leak in the house. I'm like, I guess? But this is the one part that I was like, did not buy this. I uh, actually put this. Could it be the gas? Bird rabies or cheap bird seed? <laughs> yeah, they, they blame all of yeah. it on all of that. I'm like, why would that make them explode? Yeah. And then the dad is like, Jesse, I bet you did this as a prank. And then Jesse like leaves angrily because he's like, no. And then that night probably is the most homoerotic sequence. So Jesse's like sleepwalking. He wanders into the kitchen and then outside into the rain and eventually to a seedy bar, which, okay, so I love in the documentary because they're like, they're like, how, they ask the director, like, how did you not know this movie had gay themes? Because you literally scouted a gay bar, like one of the most popular gay bars to film this scene. And he's like, that's a gay bar? And they're like, yeah. Like, don't act clueless. So either he really is clueless or he was pretending he didn't know. Either way, it's funny. So it actually, they did actually film this at a real gay bar. And it's, uh, so he goes to the bar, he asks for a beer. And as he's pouring his beer, a hand stops him. And there's a man clad in leather. And it's Coach Snyder. Okay, at first I did not recognize it was Coach Snyder. And I was like, Why? Is this man coming up to this high schooler in this bar? Oh my god, what is happening? I was like terrified for him. I was like, oh no. And then I was like, oh. And then he was running laps in the gym. I know. And I was like, this is a weird kink, but okay. And I was like, oh, it's Coach Snyder. Oh, okay. I said, that's why I put, I said, he's in a letter vest. It makes Jesse run, even though it's off school property and after hours. <laughs> So. I was like, I get that he shouldn't be having a beer, but wouldn't you just take him straight to his parents' home? Which makes me think that maybe Coach Snyder is supposed to be kind of nefarious? Yeah, I think actually Marshall Bell said he did not think he was a good man, was like his interpretation of So, yeah, yeah he might be. Because then, like, while Jesse's running around in the gym, he gets rope out, and I was like, is he going to tie him up? Or is he just, is it jump rope? Like, I'm very, is it calisthenics or kinky? I don't know. Yeah. Either way, he's a minor, so get away, sir. Come on. But then he starts to get pummeled by balls. All kinds of balls. 
balls, rackets, sticks, shafts. Yeah. Sorry, it gets real. Yeah. <laughs> How did they not know? They knew. The best they part, knew. though, is they like knew. during this whole sequence, like, because I watched it twice. He fucking chews gum. Like, he gets hit in the face with a ball, he continues to chew his gum, and I'm like, how? I bet I bet someone was just dri- driven absolutely crazy. So they're like, spag your gum, you idiot! Oh my god, editing, I'm sure, would have been hell, because it's like, a why nightmare. is he chewing the gum throughout this whole mm-hmm. sequence while he's getting hit in the face with balls? I don't know. And then, and then Jesse's like, hit the showers. Oh yeah, because he tells Jesse to hit the showers, and then he gets the rope, which is like, okay, I'm very confused what you were doing with the rope sir um but anyways so jesse's taking a shower he seems to be in like i don't know taking a little too much enjoyment of the shower in my opinion i'm like it's the school showers like i would get in get out but okay whatever jesse but schneider is taken by the balls and ropes and strung up and spanked with a wet towel in the showers as Jesse watches horrified. And then Freddy Krueger appears in the mist and then slashes his back. Which should not kill him because it's like literally just two slashes down the back. Yeah. And then this is where we get the great Scream Queen yeah. moment because Jesse looks down and he's wearing the glove. Yep. And he screams and it's very high pitched, but I kind of love it. And then the police bring Jesse home and he's been wandering the streets naked. They're like, you might want to keep an eye on him. And his dad's like, what drugs are you taking? And Jesse's like, I'm not taking any drugs. And his mom is like, oh, we need to take him to a therapist. Something's wrong. And she tries to talk to Jesse and he won't talk to her. He's like, I just, this is, I do like this line because he says, this is just something I need to figure out on my own, which I'm like, oh, okay. So if we're going with the burgeoning sexuality thing, okay, that makes sense. That's good subtext. Later on, there's bad subtext, but, you know, we'll get, we'll get there. And then, oh, his dad's like, you need a methadone clinic, which I didn't even know they had methadone back then. But I, for some reason, I figured meth didn't really come to prominence until the late 90s, early 2000s. But I guess it's always been around. Yeah. And then at school, Schneider's body has been found mm-hmm. in the showers. And then, then that night, <laughs> he, he wakes up. To Freddy's glove moving in his drawer, which I was like, um, okay. And then he goes to Angie's room and she's like skipping rope and singing the one, two, Freddy's coming for you song. It's very bizarre. I love this part because he he literally just fucking stares at her and it shuts the door. <laughs> it's really intentionally, I think. I think it's intentionally funny, but it is hilarious because I think he's actually horrified. The way he's played is that he's truly horrified. He shuts the door because he's scared. But it's just like, nope, not dealing with this. <laughs> it just shuts the I think door. It's a little bit of both. Yeah. It's a little bit of both. It's hilarious. Definitely. And then the next morning, Jesse asks his dad if he knew about the murders across the street and how Nancy went crazy and her mom died by suicide in the living room. And then Angie's like, oh no. And then while they're trying to tell Angie, oh, they're just joking, the toaster bursts into flames, but it's not even plugged in it's weird which i don't remember nancy's house being haunted i don't feel like that was the first movie it was more of the dreams but maybe freddie has permeated the house yeah and i think that's one of the reasons wes didn't like this script was for reasons like that so so then lisa is like let's go on a field trip jesse and they go to this old power plant where freddie worked and they explore this abandoned building and she's been doing her research and she's like freddie killed 20 kids here 
And then she's like, she's all into like the psychic connection. She's like, do you feel a connection? And then Freddy possesses Jesse and tries to get him to kill his little sister that night. So he starts taking caffeine pills to stay awake. But then the next morning, everyone's really worried about him. And then Lisa, uh, is it Carrie? Yeah. And Grady are all trying to comfort Jesse and be like, oh, let's like do this. Let's distract you. Let's do that. And then he snaps at poor Grady, who gets offended and runs off. Oh, but Grady has the best reaction because me and Taylor both were doing it. He goes, fine. Oh, stop talking. Like he like does the most gentle kind of like, I don't know. Shoves his food away. Yes. Grady and Jesse. Yes. They should have had a better chance. Yes. But he does go to Lisa's pool party, which is why we picked this name, because it's summertime! Yes. And, but her dad's, like, playing old music, and her mom, like, is like, come on, let's leave the kids to it, and I'll go bang your brains out upstairs. And as soon as that happens, they turn on the real music, and Jesse goes off to the pool house because he's just not feeling it. And Lisa follows, and she's like, I want to help you. And he's like, I can't go to sleep. And I'm ruining your party. And she's like, I won't let anything happen to you. And then she goes in for a kiss. And then I thought they weren't going to kiss because he kind of doesn't kiss her back at first. And then he, like, kisses her hand. And then they start making out. And then as he's, like, kissing Lisa's chest, Freddie's tongue appears in his mouth. Yeah. Which freaks him out, but I guess because her eyes were closed, she didn't notice the giant-ass tongue yeah. on her chest. I'm like, wouldn't you have felt that? But okay. And so he runs away, and which I guess if it's if we're doing a metaphor for figuring out you're gay, maybe it's like, oh. like It's like that part from a chorus line where the guy's like, I was making out with so-and-so, and I was feeling her boob, and feeling her boob, and feeling her boob, and she said, ooh, don't you want to feel anything else? And I suddenly thought, no, I don't. It's probably the first time I realized I was gay. Oh my god, I love I love a chorus line. Well, okay, it's not that interesting to watch, but I love listening to the music from a chorus line. Sorry if there's any chorus line fans. But he goes to Grady's house, and it's hilarious because even though of course, Grady has been like his lava, Grady Grady has been like uh, grounded because he threw his grandma down the stairs, which seems a really weird thing to do. <laughs> I uh, forgot about yeah, that. Uh, Grady, what the yeah, fuck? It was like maybe he and Grady shouldn't be together maybe grady is really the monster but in this movie I'm, I'm laughing though because there's literally like a teenage pool party down the street and grady's fucking asleep with like the blankets up to his chest i'm like grady why are you sleeping already man like i can understand if you're watching yeah. tv in your room or some shit but you're sleeping so yeah well maybe he wore himself out earlier <laughs> But he asks, this is where you get these, like, pictures of him, like, he wakes up Grady. Grady's, like, in his underwear. Both of these boys sleep in just their underwear, which, is that a thing? I was like, jeez, everyone. I got, I got Jesse because his air conditioning was broken. But I'm just like, of course Grady's also naked because we got to make this as sensual as possible. Which, again, if they would embrace it more, I would probably like it more but this is where it kind of takes a weird turn into did you not understand the movie you were making because i don't think you did yeah because um he begs grady to stay awake with him and to keep him from going to sleep but then of course grady sees jesse fall asleep and he's like okay time for me to go sleep i'm like oh my god grady no and then back at the pool party lisa's like i gotta go find jesse i gotta go get him and then jesse falls asleep and unfortunately for grady when he starts falling asleep Jesse tells him, it's starting to happen again. <laughs> and okay, 
Okay, it's very campy, but I also feel like he is giving it his all. Like, I feel like he's giving a lot in this performance. Right? Am I crazy? Yeah, no, he does a, he does a good job. I would agree with that. Like, he does do a good job. So... And the, the special effects are actually really good in this because, like, his hand turns into Freddy's hand and his arm turns into Freddy's hand with, like, the burn marks. And then Freddy's eye is in Jesse's mouth. That part was cool. Yeah. And then his face bursts through Jesse's stomach. And so there's no more Jesse, only Freddy. Yeah. Just like Danny and, um... Danny and, uh... Oh, my God. No, 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 me. Toby. Tony? Tony. Tony, yeah. yeah Tony. Danny and Tony. There is no Danny, only Tony. Yeah. Um, there is no Jesse, only Freddy. Yeah. So, uh, Freddy unfortunately kills Grady. Yeah. Which sucks. Yeah. And again, this is where, like, I'm like, um, I guess he's, like, birthing Freddy or something. Or it's like he's finally embracing who he is. I don't know. This is where the messaging gets mixed up. I feel like at this point, it kind of falls apart. If this is supposed to be a metaphor for discovering your sexuality, it kind of falls apart here because it's kind of anti-embracing that. Yeah. Because Jesse comes back to himself and he's like, you son of a bitch. He's really upset yeah. that Grady's dead, but he has to run out. And then he he runs into Lisa, who's about to leave her house, and he's covered in blood and he confesses to her that he killed Grady and Schneider and that Freddy Krueger is inside of him and that he wants to use Jesse to kill. And then Lisa's like, no, I was reading the diary. He's motivated by fear. If you don't, if you're not afraid of him, you know, he can't, he has no power, which is what Nancy said too. So, meanwhile, in the pool, everyone's getting hot and heavy because the water's getting warm and the hot dogs catch fire. And then all the gates and the doors start locking and Jesse's like, it's happening again, again. And Lisa is like, fight him, Freddy. And this is okay. This becomes now like Lisa's like, I love you, Jesse. Fight for me. But I'm like, Jesse's gay, honey. Jesse's gay. And you just have to let him be gay. Come on. This is what bothers me is because I'm like, I like Lisa. I like the actress. It's not her fault. But I feel like if they were going to have all this homoerotic subtext and make it about your sexuality, then I feel like Lisa should have been the person that gets killed first. And Grady should be the girlfriend. Well, boyfriend. But you know what I mean? Like, he should switch. Even when the movie came, when the movie, like, when Robert England was reading the script, I think he was the one that was like, she should be the lead character. He thought Lisa should be the lead character. And I think this movie, if this script had not been written as part, as the sequel to potentially a a horror franchise, because at this point, Nightmare on Elm Street was not a franchise. They were hoping to maybe make it a franchise. If this had been written as a standalone film, they could have done that choice but there was no way there was no way in hell would it be a sequel to a major blockbuster film that they were going to be able to do something like that in the mid 80s which sucks because like you're going in one direction and then it makes kind of a 180 yeah and i'm like i just don't i mean i think lisa cares about jesse and i think jesse cares about lisa but i don't think there's anything there like romantically which you know mark Patton did like release uh jesse's diaries or jesse's so the mark Patton released an unofficial like sequel mm-hmm. to the movie set and he mm-hmm. did in his sequels he did kind of hinted that jesse's love for lisa was a lot more platonic yeah to me i'm just like oh so he's just straight and boring <laughs> I was like, did it when he killed what the other thing I'm like when he kills Grady is that 
killing his gayness because that just that just seems wrong. Yeah. I don't know. And again, we're talking from a 2022 perspective of yeah. like it's okay to be gay, pride and whatnot. Sorry, there's a better way to put that. But you know what I mean. Like, we're not homophobic. So I'm like, why should they be homophobic? Yeah. And I feel like, again, Rocky Horror was in the 70s. Like, everyone likes Rocky Horror. But maybe, again, it was a different time. The AIDS epidemic made everything just yeah. harder. Especially for gay men. Because that was really who suffered the most at first. And it was hard. And also, it was the Reagan era. Yeah. I think this is also when The Handmaid's Tale got written, too, if I'm not mistaken. And a lot of horror movies came out to kind of fight the powers as they were. Yeah. But yeah, the gates lock, and Lisa's parents' room, their door locks. And Lisa's like, fight him, Jesse! And then, like, Jesse collapses behind the table, but then Freddy appears, and a struggle ensues. He's not Jesse. He's not Jesse. Yes. And I gotta give it to Lisa, though, because at one point, Freddie bites her leg, and she, like, kicks him, like, really good in the face. So I'm like, there yeah, you go. I'm like, there you go. Freddie, not her. Yeah, I'm like, you kick, you, you kick his ass in the face. That was pretty cool. Well, so- <laughs> um, it's sad, because it's, like, it's Freddie, but it's also Jesse, so you're like, I don't want her to kill him, but I don't want her to die, either. And she does try to stab him. Yeah. But it doesn't do anything. But he's unable to hurt her because of Jesse's influence. And, I mean, my notes sound really sarcastic, but this is the way the movie actually happens. He's unable to hurt Lisa, so he jumps through a window and disappears. He does. And he disappears. <laughs> Sorry. I said that. I said he jumps through a window and disappears. Just kidding. He appears around the pool. <laughs> yeah. Also, after he tells her he loves her. Oh, she can't penetrate Jesse. Oh. <gasps> Oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if that means anything. Y'all, this is where the whole metaphor falls apart plot-wise. So I don't know. Up until this point, I was like, I get it. I get it. Then they kill Grady. And I'm like, well, "Well, now I don't get it. Grady actually says something about, like, Freddy wants. So he's, like, talking about Freddy. He's like, there's someone that wants your body. And she's in the cabana. But instead, you want to come sleep with me. Yes. And you're like, yeah. Yeah. Because he's gay. And you're gay, Grady. Just. Love each other. Love me, love it's okay. you too. Sorry, I had to do it. So <laughs> it's just you know, I'm just like I want, I want the Grady Jesse love story to win over. Someone rewrite this and just, I'm sorry, make Lisa Grady's character and you know, vice versa. Anyways, so yeah, Freddie reappears. He bursts out of the ground, and there are other kids that see him. They're like, "What the fuck is going? What is Lisa doing?" And then the pool bursts into flames. <laughs> And so the bushes, and Freddy just starts killing kids, and it's like, okay, this is, I mean, here's the thing, Freddy always was, like, killing kids solo, so it's almost weird that there's, like, like 30 kids, and he's just, like, slashing people's stomachs open, there's some really good, like, gore moments, and it's really kind of silly, and then her dad gets his guns, which, he smashes his gun cabinet, I'm like, you don't have your key? You're in your own home. Like, where's your gun cabinet key, dude? But anyways, and he starts shooting at Freddy, and then when he see when Freddy sees Lisa, because remember he's also Jesse, he wa- he he burns the bushes so he can walk through them. I was like, okay, okay. And Lisa follows him in Jesse's car to the old power plant, and then <laughs> there's some spoopy dogs. Yeah, I said some dogs with baby mascara letter. <laughs> <laughs> they have like baby masks. Yeah. 
And, and she's, she's like, I'm not afraid. So she walks past and they don't attack her. And then, like, there's a series of, like, scaries, because Freddy's trying to scare her. And there's, like, a like a festering wound. And then there's a rat. And then a cat eats the rat. Yeah. A monster cat eats a monster rat. I had that. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then she thinks she's falling, but she's not actually falling. Yeah. And then Freddy appears. Yes. So, yeah. And she's, like, she's keeps telling Jesse that she loves him and then Freddy starts bleeding and collapses because love is too powerful apparently. Yeah, and then she is like, we'll both die. And she's like, I love you, Jesse. And then she starts to make out with Freddy, uh, who push who uh, pushes her away. <laughs> like he's like, No, yeah. So he's like, You'll die with both of us, and he like sets the whole place on fire. Yeah. But then the flames die down and <laughs> It's like, okay, y'all remember the end of Ghostbusters when Sigourney Weaver comes out of the the dog that gets burnt up? Like, it's like that. Only Jesse's inside Freddy. I love Mark's face when he emerges because his mouth was like... <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> like a fish mouth. But I, again, I'm like, what is the metaphor? Was, was Freddy the gay man inside you coming out? And you've just repressed him so you can be straight with Lisa. That's not healthy. That's not healthy at all, Jesse. Yeah. That's just really bad. Bad, bad for your psyche until you go to therapy 20 years later with your horrible, miserable marriage of convenience. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. But if I'm sorry, I'm writing their whole life story because I'm like, this is no. But man, it was the 80s. Yeah. Y'all wonder how many people's dads came out of the closet in like the 90s and 2000s like that's why because we made everyone stay in the closet for so long yeah you know it's okay but that's all like where's the metaphor yeah is this supposed to be a metaphor or are you just fucking around david because i think david's just fucking around personally i don't think he understands his own metaphors if i am to be completely honest yeah well he said something very hurtful which was in a documentary that i think may have actually been what happened but Oh, so Lisa embraces him and cries really kind of badly. But other than that, her performance is really good. But you know what? Even Amber Heard can't cry on a stand. So, I mean, whatever. You, oh, but I'm cha. Sorry. Um, we again see a lovely day. And Jesse gets on the bus with Lisa. And he's like, he's all happy. And he's like, so glad to be back. And then, okay. So I thought he must have like had to stay in the hospital for a little while or something. But like. I guess it's just, I'm glad to be back to my old self. And so he gets on the bus and everyone's like, what a wild party, Lisa. I was like, yeah, a bunch of your classmates are dead. Like somebody died. Like definitely that kid whose guts were flying out died. But okay, what a wacky party, Lisa. And then Carrie is like talking to them and Jesse's like, you know, let's not talk about that. And then Jesse starts freaking out because he thinks the bus is speeding and they're and then he's like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. And then Freddy's glove bursts through Carrie's chest. And apparently it's a dream, just like the end of the first movie. Yes, yeah, so it's like, once again, setting up for another sequel, a third one. Da-da-da. Um, yeah. So I think um, in Scream Queen near the very end of the documentary, at one point, David said this was meant to be a possession movie. But then in another interview, okay. he said it wasn't meant to be a homoerotic movie, but rather a, homophob- a homophobic movie. And that in the end, the love of a good woman could change a man. Ew! Yeah. David. Yeah. And I was like, that is really fucked up, David. But I, I think David's personal life allegedly yeah. maybe a little fucked up yeah 
No offense, David. I'm not. I don't but, know David. Personally. I mean, not. I'm not making excuses. Not trying to slander. I'm him. not making excuses for him. But in 1985, I could see someone having that mindset. Honest to God. Yeah, but when did he say that? Quote? I don't know. That's we need to look it up. We need to look it up. But here's what it comes down to. Because I was reading some reviews of Scream Queen. And it, it sits at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Which is amazing. Oh yeah. But there was a few reviewers that were like, you know, Mark is very overindulgent in the way he sees things. And I'm like, but you know, at the end of the day, hey. his feelings were hurt. And you cannot tell someone how to perceive something. Like, if I said something to hurt your feelings, and even if I did not intentionally do it, if I hurt your feelings, I hurt mm-hmm. your feelings. And... That is how you take it. So it's like, this is how Mark took it. Also, it stalled his career for decades. Well, that's what... backlash from it. So I feel like... I'm like, I feel like he has a little bit of a right... Yeah. He could have, you know, being devil's advocate, I guess he could have pushed through it and just taken it. But like, you know, it was a lot. And also his partner, his ex-partner had also just passed away from HIV so, like, and he had friends dying all around him. So, like, I mean, I, there's a lot of shit to go through. I agree. And then to have a bad review on top of that. I agree. Like, I would be terrified to stay in Hollywood. And I think. Because they didn't want you to come out. Yeah. Now, I did read another uh, article which said that David was going to be given a role as a straight man on a TV series. But they were like, hey, we need you not to discuss your sexuality. And he. David? Or no, sorry, or Mark, Mark. Mark. I'm so sorry. I'm okay. so sorry. I was yeah, like, sorry. You knew I meant. So Mark oh, Mark good. had been offered this role in this TV show where he'd be playing a straight man, but they were like, hey, we don't need you to discuss your sexuality. Um, but they had asked him, they're like, you know, but can you, when people ask about your sexuality, can you tell them you're straight? And he was like, you know, people were literally so, dying. I could not, he's like, I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. I could not do it anymore. I mean, I just like, I... I know that people are like this, yeah. and I, I, I know that, but I'm just like, there's just that amount of denial and forcing someone else to deny such a core part of their being. Yeah. And I mean, like, honestly, your sexuality is only one facet of your humanity, but also, like, you shouldn't have to be quiet about it. Yeah. Like, you're not hurting anyone. Love is a beautiful thing, and as long as everyone's a consenting adult, who the fuck cares? Yeah. But... The fact that, like, I don't know. It's just, I understand, like, why that would have meant so much more to him than, like, if he was just, if he was, like, John Stamos. If this happened to John Stamos, you know, who is, by all accounts, a straight man, and who didn't have to stay in the closet to make it in Hollywood, like, I would say, and he had the same reaction as Mark, I would probably say, yeah, he's overreacting. But everything else going on in Mark's life, this just was, like, the nail yeah. in the coffin. And, I mean, like, he... I think he does really good in this movie. Yeah. I think he has a great performance. And I'm sad that we missed him performing for so many decades. Yeah. But I'm glad he's, you know, come back out into the light, as it were. And I think he has... And I couldn't imagine. So, I think he is an incredibly, incredibly strong person. And I could not imagine. But I do think about what he says near the end of Scream Queens, where it was like, he's like, I... I think God led me to where I need to be because I could not be sick mm-hmm. in the public eye when he was sick. Yeah. But now he's now he's pretty much I mean, he's not oh, I can't remember what the term is, but like basically like you don't have an active yeah. amount of the virus. Like you're still technically HIV positive, 
but your the count is so low that you're you know effectively not infectious to other people so yeah. which is awesome that's where you want to be yeah basically so he's i would call it i guess do you call it remission with hiv but basically he's like in remission at least when they made this documentary in 2019 yeah that sounds right it was i think at the so. end of the day though i just think that it's really sad that david just couldn't like like it's okay we're living in the 2020s like you can admit like you were interested or intrigued by this and then you got scared and you changed your mind while writing yeah. the script like there's things you can say and it's okay this movie came out like 36 years ago yeah well it's like you know we've mentioned the movie cruising and it's one that like i kind of want to cover because it is a very interesting horror thriller it has al pacino in it it's william friedkin but it's got a very weird messaging because to me I took it as an anti-homophobia film yeah. but other people have called it a little homophobic I've William Freakin is a weird man so I'm not 100% sure where he lands on that scale but that movie at least kind of stuck to its guns yeah. it didn't shy away from it throughout the whole film and I haven't watched it in many years so I'm curious what I'll think of it eventually when we do it but that is a more controversial thing because, like, I saw it and it's kind of like people, like, joke about it because it's a it, – but it honestly, cruising is kind of terrifying because, like, you hear it you're like, Al Pacino goes undercover in a gay SNM bar and you're like, whoa, that's kind of, uh, uh, like, fantastical. Like, that's – oh, like, it grabs your attention. But then, like – it actually is based on a series of real murders in New York oh. where someone was preying on gay men. Actually, there were several murders in New York in the 70s where people were preying on gay men, um, including, I'm pretty sure the guy who is in The Exorcist, who's a serial killer, because he was a real-life x-ray technician and they just let him be in the movie during all those medical testing sequences, he actually did kill some people i think he was also preying on gay men if i'm oh. my, and i think he put them in suitcases oh. i feel like these two stories are related a little bit so anyways the 70s sucked yeah. people were getting killed all over the place um but serial killers it was their golden age unfortunately yeah. but anyways um but cruising even though like i i'm still trying to figure out if william friedkin meant well or not well, or just didn't care. But he did at least stick to his guns, and he didn't pull back on the trigger. This movie, you're like, okay, okay, okay. And then you're like, oh. Yeah. So he can't be gay? Why? But it is what it is. I do, it does seem like most people like this movie because it is very campy. And it is kind of fun to watch. I do love, it's got like some of the my favorite tropes of like campy horror. It's got like sexy like, fun homoeroticism, which, I'm sorry, but, like, innuendo is just great in horror movies. And then it's got, like, bad, goofy dancing. Like, almost, almost better than Crispin Glover in the Friday the 13th sequel. And it's got lots of, like, campy gore. And I love the pool sequence. Yeah. I love that the pool's, like, bursting with flames. Everyone's, like, screaming. And then Freddy Krueger's just like, you're all my children. And, and there's, like, flames. flame behind him. He does this, you're yeah, all like, my children now. Perfection. Yeah. Um, and honestly, you know, going into pros and cons, Freddy is kind of terrifying, even though he's silly and funny, but he, 
Robert England generally creeps me out in this role. Yeah. Like, he genuinely is creepy. And I believe that he was a child murderer. Yeah. Like, the character, not Robert England, the person. He's Interesting enough, they want, they originally, when they were looking at, for someone for Freddy Krueger, they wanted a, a man that was, like, huge and imposing. And Robert came in and read, and they were like, this is not how we envision him. And the more they thought about it, they were like, you know what? But usually you see these these people, these pedophiles, are these these bad people, and they're very weasley looking. And it makes, and like, he, he is a great character actor. Like, I mean, Freddie is really well-loved in the horror community for a lot of reasons. I know, to me, I'm like, I do think it's the movies are fun. Mm-hmm. Because the kills are interesting and inventive. But Freddy is a horrible person. Yeah. Horrible person. It's not like Jason where you can like be like, well, you know, poor, something terrible happened to him. Poor Jason. Poor little Jason was a mama's boy. Yeah, I get. Well, and he was, you know. Yeah. He was, you know, Bullied. like a little kid. Yeah. Like, I get the Jason thing. Yeah. I do not get hero-worshipping Freddy Krueger. Even though Robert England is amazing, I'm like, I would... No offense to anyone who has this tattoo, but I'm like, that is one of the one of the horror icons that I'm like, nope, I could not get that tattooed on my body. Jason, I get it. Jason, Michael Myers, I get it. Even though Michael Myers is terrible, but he's so blank. Freddy Krueger knows what he's doing, is conscious of what he's doing, and enjoys but it. But people love so he is people like, love Pennywise. Awful. People love Pennywise for similar reasons. But Pennywise is an alien and almost like an animal. Yeah. So like, like Lovecraftian. Like, yeah, he's very, he's a, you know, old god. Like, I mean, again, he's not Still human. a child killer. Freddy Krueger was human. And I don't know. To me, Freddy Krueger is despicable. But I also love Robert Englund's portrayal of yeah. him. So it's like, I get why people love the movies, but I'm like, no, I couldn't. I don't think I could ever have, like, Freddy memorabilia all over my house. I'm like, that's, that's a little too much. No, I mean, I get it because I do love Robert England as Freddy, but like the more you think about him, you're it's like, it's a dark he humor. Just fucking despicable. Yeah. But yeah, I do like dark humor. So it's still fun. Anyways, I do love like the melting part. Like that sequence is really cool. And I did really like the music. It genuinely unsettled me at points, but also the horn kind of reminded me of the Star Trek music. But I don't think he did the Star Trek music. It just like there was a French horn at the beginning, and I was like, Star Trek? What? But on on a bad note, I don't think the parakeet should have exploded. And I just we already talked about like where's the metaphor? Yeah. What is this? Is this conversion therapy? Pussy saved you from being gay? Like I don't understand this, dude. Like that's not realistic so other than that it's a fun movie up until that point where i'm just like why i like lisa as a character if you hadn't had all the homoerotic stuff at the beginning i wouldn't have minded her and jesse like ending up together but it seems weird because it's so obvious that like jesse's gay so what did you have any pros or cons I will say the one thing I love about this movie is that it it <laughs> it was a little movie that was by all means kind of forgettable in the franchise it belonged to, but a lot of people just kind of claimed it as their movie. They saw maybe themselves mm-hmm. in it. It it was like an eye opening experience for them, and I I think that's really admirable. And I love that you know this little kind of forgotten gem was just kind of taken in by 
the LGBT com community and they really loved it. And I think that's really cool. I think it's cool that it has this legacy behind it. I will be honest, yeah. it is not, I actually did see this one when I was very little. I didn't think it was scary when I was a kid. And by all means now as an adult, it's not scary at all. It's really funny. It's way more camp than scary. But anyways, did you have a rating for this? I did. Were you looking for a Grindhouse Girls or a rating rating? Well, you know, you know both. Okay, um, so I had to... It was hard. I was wavering between a five and a six for this one. I'm leaning a little bit more towards the six. It's it's a campy movie. It's fun. I think Mark Patton did a very good job in it. I, I do like to think of him as a great final boy. So I still think Ash from the Evil Dead is probably the ultimate final boy. But Mark Mark Patton, Mark Patton is a great final boy. And I appreciate him. Um, I yeah. love that this movie has a new legacy. Um, I love what it's mm -hmm. offering for modern film theory. I think it'd be great to watch with a group of friends. I mean, exploding, exploding yeah. lovebirds, you know. I just don't see this as a movie I would seek out and watch by myself. Like again and again no every every pool party just turn it on yeah just put it on in the background just put it on i had it between okay i said it was a six out of ten unless campy horror is your favorite thing then it's a seven out of ten but generally speaking i would say it's a solid six okay like it's good. Rewatchable, definitely if you love campy slashers though i would give it a seven but that's but I would say for me it's a six out of ten. I would rewatch it. Yeah. But again, I don't think all the time. But it's a fun yeah. one. What was your grindhouse girls? Okay, rating? so I rated it B for buses, birds, and bear asses. Tight. Yeah. Ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Because we see two we see two bear asses in this movie. So we do. Yeah. We do. Um, I had two. One was ear <laughs> rated E for eerie ejaculations. <laughs> And exploding parakeets. But I think I like my second one better. Rated P for popping parakeets and poolside slashers. Yeah, I like that. I like rated P. That yeah. one? Rated P? Okay. Yeah. So that's 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 the movie, y'all. Yeah. But yeah, so that is the movie. Thank you, Katie, for picking this one. It was a lot of fun to research. I really enjoyed watching Scream Queen. Um, I have a very new appreciation for Mark Patton, and I'm excited that he's returned to acting. We'll see more of him in the future, hopefully. Yes, I hope so, too. Yeah. It was fun. It was. It was a fun I hope it was, like, a fun, light one. We got to talk about some timely things, but not, but it was also summer. Yes. So, I don't know. We'll have to find another one next year that also is a queer horror, but also has pools because or a, a body of water we'll have to keep the theme because you know it's summertime yeah very true very true so we are officially done i think with nightmare on elm street 2 freddy's yep. revenge on hbl max mm -hmm. which brings it mm -hmm. to my pick for next week yes that's what i was looking up to make sure it was still streaming yeah yeah it, or rentable. it is i think it went rentable yesterday so this is not lgbt movie However, it is a very sex-positive film, and we Ooh. can definitely appreciate sex-positive here on Grindhouse Girls Podcast. It's a new movie. It's sitting, I think, pretty at 95% on Rotten Tomatoes still, and it is 2022's A24 Film X. Yay! Yeah. This is one we've been waiting and waiting and waiting to come on rental 
so we could watch it a couple of times before reviewing it. Because the only thing I didn't like about when we reviewed Green Knight and Candyman was we couldn't go back and watch them a second time and get some of the context. But yeah, very excited about X. That was kind of a given. Um, So we we won't see you guys next week, but the week after. So you guys have got a couple of weeks to watch this movie and then we'll be back in two Wednesdays and we'll talk about X. Yes. So I guess with that we're gonna say goodnight. This week has kind of sucked for everybody. I didn't want to talk about it at the top and I won't talk about it a lot but I really hate what happened in Buffalo and I really hate what happened in Uvalde, Texas. It sucks and Something needs to be done, and I I don't know for sure what's going to be. I know it's a combination of mental health care and universal uh, background checks, and, you know, maybe not selling. In my opinion, I'm fully supportive of the Second Amendment, but I feel like at this point, there are so many 18-year-olds who have opened fire on innocent people. Maybe someone shouldn't have an AR-15 until their brain is fully developed, you know? And they can make decisions and not be rash. Because that is really what's happening is people's brains aren't fully developed and you're giving them weapons of high caliber. And I mean, anyways, mental health care needs to be fixed. This needs to be fixed because this just can't keep happening. So I'm so sorry if this has affected you. If anyone in our listening audience is from either one of those towns, just know that we do care about you. We love you. I know there is a fund going out for the children in Texas. I don't know about the Buffalo one, but I did read a couple articles about some of the people who um, were killed there, and it was very sad. Everyone was just doing their grocery shopping, and the kids were two days from summer vacation. Um, and apparently, gun violence, mass shootings have gone up 90-something percent since 2017, and it doubled this year. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. And again, I like guns for responsible people, but I just feel like what the fuck is going on that this is such a problem now? Because guns have been around since the country began. Yeah. Like, so what is going on? Yeah. So we need to fix it because it's just not fucking okay. It's not it's not cool to like be afraid to go to the grocery store or to school. Yeah. Go to school. Our concerts, our church. Yeah, it's our just malls. like it's like I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to do it. Like I mean it really just makes you like not trust anybody and like children like why would you uh, okay, I, I can't we won't get too far into this because it'll just there's no answers I will s- for why someone I would will do this, say this but it's just not okay. My nephew was in my nephew who I love very dearly and talk about all the time was in kindergarten when Sandy Hook happened. And all I could think is those children like my nephew should be entering ending their freshman year of high school, going in their sophomore year of high school. Just like him. Yep. And they yep. never got that chance and we would think that there, after that, something would have happened. And here we are again. And we keep saying thoughts and prayers. And as much as those are very kind gestures, they're not doing anything at this point. Well, and they say, like, and, like, the some people are probably like, well, it's mental health. I'm like, yes, that is part of it. But, like, you're not fixing yeah. it. If you can't fix mental health, then you need to fix the gun laws. You need to fix it so people have to have a background check to own these kinds of weapons 
Because I'm sorry, yeah, we, you do have a right to protect yourself. And we should have a right to protect ourselves. But I don't think everybody needs an AR-15 to protect themselves. Okay? Like, I don't understand. And especially when you're 18 years old. It's fucked up. If I can't, if you can't drink alcohol till you're 21, why can you own an AR-15? Does not make sense. Make it make sense, people. You can't even rent a fucking car until you're 25. Yeah. Right? So why, why let someone have an AR-15? If you don't trust them to rent a car or run a hotel or whatever, like, don't trust them with an AR-15. And it's not every 25-year-old. I mean, 18-year-old, obviously. I didn't shoot up anything. Britt hasn't shot up anything. My brother and my dad both, I think, have AR-15s. They love guns. Have never hurt a soul in their entire lives and would never hurt a soul in their entire lives unless it was self-defense. I don't think we should take everyone's guns away, but I think there should be laws in place because if I am not mistaken, it's a lot of young men and occasionally women, but a lot of young people whose brains aren't fully developed doing these things. And I'm like, well, then maybe we don't need to give them the tools to give. And I mean, yes, people will still break the law, but at least, at least they'll, will be lessening it, hopefully, if we don't make it easy for them to get them. Yeah. You know? And we need to address mental health in this country. Like, people... Like, someone who's mentally healthy would not have shot up a school. Yeah. And this kid sounds like he was bullied. I don't know about the... the and the, and the, uh, the one in Buffalo seems like, yeah, he was taken in by white supremacists. Like, it's not okay. It's not okay to be a... He, he got into that... Uh, what is it called? Replacement theory? Yeah. Where you're like, oh, you're trying to replace this. I'm like, honey, if you think about it, we kind of replaced the Native Americans. Yeah. So it's like, it's just a cycle of who moves here and who leaves here and who stays. Like, it's not anyone trying to replace anyone. It's just natural. Like, when in the 1800s, there were more immigrants from Ireland because of the Great Potato Famine. Was that replacement theory? No, it was just immigration. There's more people coming from South America immigrating because there are a lot of bad governments in South America that people are trying to flee from. Makes sense. You know, Europe isn't as chaotic right now, but we're going to have probably a bunch of Ukrainian and Russian, you know, former Federation countries coming over because that whole mess. So, yeah, we might have more, but it just depends on who comes here. Like, that's why I'm like, does not make it make sense? It doesn't make sense, and conspiracy theories can be dangerous. So I know sometimes they're fun, but, like, before you go down any rabbit holes, check yourself. Because you might be leading someone else down a really dangerous path. And if something isn't proven scientifically, correlation is not causation, and you can't make it into the truth just because you think it is. The Earth is round. And I'm trying to think of another stupid one, but I'm too mad right now to think of a stupid, funny one. But, like, like think about it. Like, like think about it before you put something out in the universe. Like, is this going to cause more harm than good? And if it's going to cause more harm than good, don't do it. That being said, I hope this episode maybe distracted y'all from whatever else is going on. In the world and our lives. Ukraine's still a mess. COVID is rising up. It's been a, it's gonna be a stressful summer, y'all. I'm just 
But hopefully uh, the podcast will distract you guys so we can have a lovely moment of levity a little bit. That's what movies can do. And just know we love you guys. Thank you for listening. I'm sorry we can't help more. I wish I could fix it. I really wish I could fix it. I can't fix it. I want to fix it. Um, But maybe all together we can fix it. Maybe that's too little Miss Sally Sunshine. But you know what? Fuck it. I'll be Sally Sunshine. Um, but just take care of yourselves, take care of your friends, check on everybody. If you do see someone slipping through the cracks of mental health, speak out, talk to them, get them help. You can't force them, but sometimes somebody just needs an ear to hear or to know that therapy is okay. Therapy is good. Therapy is a great thing to go to. Don't be afraid of it. Um... Because I do think people who are afraid of therapy do end up acting out in negative ways because they don't know what else to do because they haven't figured themselves out, you know. So, anyways, I don't know. But I love you guys. We love you guys. Thank you for episode 101. And hopefully we're all still together in one piece in a couple weeks when we come back. And just be good to one another. Please be safe. Yeah. Yes, I don't know what else I can say, but yes. Good night. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, guys, with that being said, uh, remember the only way to make change is to create change. Um, so be involved in your communities. Uh, get out there and vote. Research who you're voting. Yes, Research please. who you're voting for, though. Ballotpedia.com will break down your ballot yes. for you, and you can go research all the people. Yes. So keep that in mind. Life um, hack. Yes. But um, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Um, it's tough out there. Um, lean on each other. Reach out. Um, sometimes people, I'm a pretty good person about reaching out and checking in on people. Um, that's just my nature. I probably got it from my mom. If I haven't heard from you in a while, I'm going to text you and go, hey, how are you? Um Sometimes your friends need that. Sometimes you need that and your friends don't realize it. Reach out to your friends. Just say, hey, I need to talk to somebody. Can we make time? Your friends are going to understand and be there for you. So please don't ever be afraid to do that. Um, I'd rather sit up losing sleep talking to you versus losing you in some kind of way. Um, That is true. So please, you know, take, like I said, just take care of uh, yourselves, take care of each other, drink your water, take your vitamins, eat your vegetables. We love you very, very much. We're gl- Wash, your, wash hands, your hands. Wear your yes. mask. We love you very much. We are so glad you're here with us. And as always, we just look forward to seeing you next time. Same spooky time, same spooky channel. Stay spooky, y'all. y'all. Bye. Bye, Kitty. Bye, Kitty. Bye,
Grindhouse Girls Podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.